I just moved for right. a second because my roommate has friends over and uh, they're talking. Get so. in the closet. Well, no, I can't be in there because you can hear them. So, so you came out. I did. <laughs> come out of the closet. Yeah. It's a classic joke. Yep. Classic Brad. Turn this. What? Yes. Oh my God. John, you should get your dad to be on the show. <laughs> no, it's okay. doing great, Brian. Thank you for asking. I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing well since we watched a very disappointing Panthers game on Sunday. Um, yeah. Well, it so is to... Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm not going to tie my emotional well-being to the sports team, and you neither should you, yeah. listeners. Exactly. I got over it at approximately 5 p.m. on Sunday. Pretty much. So to give you the breakdown, the Panthers lost 31-24. to Um the Panthers came back after a, let's see, it was a 24-10 to 10 deficit. Uh, they managed to make it somewhat watchable towards the end of the ha- second half, but fell short just at the very last play of the game when DJ Moore did not catch a pass that was thrown. Coverage that miraculously actually ended up being catchable. Um, From what I've been it- told, he was supposed to catch that ball. Well, he's yeah, I, I can't. Receiver. I can't believe that we wasted a draft pick on a guy who can't catch a a hail mary that has about a two point five percent chance of being caught. He should be cut immediately. Well, actually, they should cut Cam Newton because clearly he's not Aaron Rodgers in his hail mary attempts. That's that is actually very true, Brian. Aaron Rodgers completes those all the time. <laughs> he completes them more than he complete than uh, Matt Ryan completes touchdowns to Julio Jones in the red zone. I will say we didn't allow any. We still didn't allow Julio Jones to catch a touchdown in the red zone, so we had that going for us. Yeah, you know what's funny though? We made fun of that last week when with Gina and DW were on. We made fun of Atlanta not being able to produce in the red zone. And what do they do? (laughs) They go 100% in the red zone, and apparently all of their troubles are now over thanks to us. So yeah, we we seem to be the cure all for that. I know I have nothing to back this up, but it definitely seems like we're the team that, like, whenever, like, it's like, oh, Atlanta can't score in the red zone, or, like, this team struggles with this. None of that matters when they play the Panthers. Not to say that we lose all the time, obviously, but it just seems like weaknesses go out the door when you play the Panthers. It's very yeah. much a crapshoot. Very much. Like, Atlanta's going to get the ball back. Like, Atlanta's going to, like, go out and have trouble with the red, in the red zone again, like, next week. And like for the rest of the year. Oh, of course. And well, not the rest of the year. One, one oh, more game. One of the game. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last game of the season, I believe. 
they'll figure it out going into the playoffs. Is that what it is? Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, one thing that the Falcons did that was pretty, I guess, noteworthy is that they had a hundred yard rusher against the Panthers, which hasn't hasn't happened since I don't know 2016 at this point. Yeah, it was yeah. like 22 games. It was Thomas Rawls for the Seahawks was the last one. Well, freaking their backup, Tevin Coleman, ran for over 100 yards against the Panthers as they averaged, what, like eight yards per play on offense against the Panthers? Yeah, it was like 8.3 or something like that. It was, yeah. I think, honestly, now that you say that, Brad, with the um, Thomas Rawls being the last one to go over 100 yards on the Panthers, I, that was probably the game where the Panthers, uh, the last time the Panthers had allowed that many yards per play. Because it was against the that Seahawks. Was an ugly that, game. Yeah. Was it the tiegate game that? Uh, I Thomas believe it was. Yeah, the, the game where we lost like forty-four to three or some crap. Like forty like to that. seven on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Real good yeah. showing. Um, let me look up and see if that's the. Uh, that is the game. Hundred percent sure. A hundred percent sure. Because it was the game where Derek Anderson threw a. Duck past he threw a, yeah, threw a pick six on like the first play of the game or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. Bounced off of Mike Tolbert's helmet. Yeah. Uh, wow, the the parallels here because uh, Thomas Rawls had 15 carries for 106 yards, which is strikingly similar to Tevin Coleman's stat line. Um, and C.J. Anderson had a ball bounce off his face mask that went for an <laughs> interception in a really bad time in the game. So. Yeah, and if you're we blaming Cam Newton for that interception, uh, you need to stop now because I don't care how hard a quarterback throws a football. If you're an NFL running back and you get that pass as it was thrown, thrown to you seven yards away, you have to either catch it or knock it down. He was what C.J. Anderson too. did, what he did was absolutely unacceptable and it is completely 100% C.J. Anderson's fault that that was an interception, and Cam Newton is not to be blamed at all. And if you were criticizing him for his one interception after he completed 35 passes, had a 70% completion percentage, threw three touchdowns, and threw for over 300 yards, you're the problem, not Cam. It wasn't even. And it wasn't. Out. <laughs> he didn't really throw. And then the thing is, like, oh, he threw it too hard. Like he didn't. He really didn't throw it that hard. Like it was, no, he it, didn't. It, it, there's absolutely no reason that C.J. Anderson shouldn't have caught that pass. Yeah, it was None. about. It was exactly what you'd expect on a check down. Like he didn't. He didn't rifle it in there, but he's not going to throw a lollipop in there. Like so he's got to catch it and go. Like you can't just underhand toss it to him like a child. Yeah, if he that, throws if he throws a lollipop, he risks it being a pick six because you know a linebacker could have cut in front of Anderson and caught it. So yeah, and then he threw it the way you're supposed to throw it. C.J. Anderson was wide open, and him catching passes was never a problem in Denver. So it's not like this was an ill-advised throw by him by any stretch. Carolina. Like, it's a Carolina thing. Yeah. It's a Carolina thing. You get a guy who's not bad at catching passes, and he ends up giving you the worst possible play. It's just how it goes. <laughs> Cam has probably got three times as many interceptions off of running back's hands as like the rest of the NFL combined in the last oh, it ha- I don't know what the st- – that really is, but you, know, you have to be right on that. It has to be – you have to at least be close because, I mean, I can think of several instances off the top of my head right now. We've we've mentioned two in this brief recording we've done where Cam is completely screwed over by a running back not being able to catch a pass. And 
you know, it's it's a shame. And if it's not the running backs, it's it's a wide receiver that's doing it. It is it it just doesn't make any sense why, you know, he throws an absolute dime and the receiver drops it. You know, it like on on Sunday, it, it didn't matter in the end because we scored, but Ian Thomas dropped an absolutely beautiful ball in the end zone that should have been a touchdown. And you know, we we say it doesn't matter, but maybe it did because we took an extra 30 seconds to a minute to score that touchdown. We could have had that time at the end and we wouldn't have needed to throw that Hail Mary. It's an excellent segue into the offense's overall execution, which is something that I wanted to touch on. Um, So obviously Christian McCaffrey touched the ball 22 times, most of which were on checkdowns. He only ran the ball eight times. He caught a ball 14 times for 102 yards. Um, other than him and maybe Jarius Wright, who had five touch five receptions for sixty two yards and a touchdown, the rest of the offense looked bad. Like Devin Funches dropped quite a few passes. Torrey Smith didn't really. Torrey Smith had like what three false two or three false start penalties. It two false starts half. and then the unnecessary roughness. But the unnecessary roughness doesn't really count. That was completely yeah the, yeah, yeah, the un uh, yeah the penalty doesn't count. It was justified, and in fact, Torrey Smith he gets a free pass for not producing much in the game because he stood up for cam right that's worth his salary right there that that was worth five million dollars seeing him (laughs) get out in the scrum so but yeah i mean like receivers were dropping easy passes a lot of the game they the offense didn't really seem to click as far as passing went until the second half um the offensive line was better than I expected, but they still gave up several pressures on Cam. Um, he really to be didn't. fair, though, to be fair, the the pressures that they gave up were on blitz packages. They the Falcons had to blitz to generate pressure, and you know I when you grade on a curve because we kind of have to in this this situation. I mean, Chris Clark played left tackle. He played every single snap on offense. And they signed him last Wednesday. Like, he hasn't even been with the Panthers for an entire week. Depending on when you listen to this episode, it will have been one week since we signed him. And he played very well for a guy who just came in off the street. Um, You know, right tackle Taylor Moten played well. He didn't give up any pressure. The guard play wasn't as good as it could have been. And Ryan Khalil wasn't as good as he could have been. But considering the fact that we're holding these guys together with duct tape and band-aids, you know, I, I think they played pretty well. They did. No, I was I was impressed. I mean, like, it wasn't they weren't the reason why the Panthers lost, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, Which like I don't think they said Vic Beasley's name all afternoon. If I if I remember correctly. I don't think they he did anything. Uh, he he did drop in a lot as a spy. I do remember seeing that a few times. Yeah. But yeah, they, he didn't sack the quarterback at all. It was mainly Tack McKinley on Clark, and Clark was, you know, fresh off the streets. But overall, the offensive line did well. It was just mainly execution in the passing game for this team that really didn't help the offense. I mean, and one big thing that didn't help the offense was the defense getting gashed all the time. Um, but I don't want to get into that just yet. Um, I want to say one more thing about the receivers. Devin Funches had the most unimpressive seven catches on nine targets for like seventy-seven yards. Possible. Yeah, when I when I saw his stat line, I was I was shocked because that was not the kind of game that I saw. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't saw. I don't think he caught 
seven passes. Like it looked like he caught two. Like it was seven drops and two pass, two catches. Exactly. Like if we had, if we played like guess the stats, I would have guessed Devin Funches had like four catches for fifty yards or something on like eight targets. Did not expect the seven for nine because I guess because the the two missed targets were accurate throws that were very bad drops. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. even even one of the catches that play where Cam made did the classic Cam thing where he eluded a free rusher and rolled out and made a great throw. Devin Funches almost dropped it. I know almost doesn't matter, but like he double caught a wide open pass standing still in the middle of the field. Like it's yesterday's receiving was out of hand, like or lack thereof. Yeah, he or Sundays. I, what worries me about him right now is that he's still struggling with those contested catches, and even the non-contested catches. Like, at what point in your career? Like, he was young when he came into the NFL, but this is his fourth season. At what point do you correct that? Yeah, yeah. he's in a contract year too. He's playing himself to to not get a lot of money. Yeah, he's playing himself into being retained by the Panthers for not a lot of money. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what's, what's funny is. Before the season, people were saying, uh, we can't bring back Devin Funches because he's going to be too expensive. And now I'm seeing people say, we can't bring back Devin Funches because he's not good enough. This is, Devin yeah. Funches is destined to not be a Panther, apparently. Yeah, yeah nobody wants him. They, he's either too expensive or not good enough. He's, yeah, he's, he's too good or not good enough. There's no scenario where Devin Funches is universally expected to return to the team, from what I've, I've read on the internet. Right. But yeah, to highlight the uh, the bad stuff that we saw, um, Torrey Smith had a few. I don't want to say they were 100% his fault because they may have been bad throws by Cam as well. But he dropped a few that would have been really good if he caught them. Um, obviously, Devin Funches, really easy drops. Ian Thomas dropped that easy touchdown in the end zone where he, he did a great job getting open, just didn't execute on, on the catch. Um, I hope that's just a sign of him. Like run up the seam and be in, and realizing that he's about to catch his first career touchdown pass and get a little get into some of the jitters and drop. I think it. that could be what it was because I mean it was he's not normally like that. I mean we haven't seen a whole lot of tape on him, but I mean he catches that nine times out of ten, I believe. I hope. Just because the last thing we need is another target for Cam that drops routine passes. <laughs> But to get into some positives here. Um, we lost, Brian. There were none. Cam Newton, th- no throw good. Therefore, Cam, Cam Newton <laughs> bad. Therefore, Panthers bad. Therefore, a losing season. Got it. Um, yes, you got it. So in in the positives section, um, I want to highlight DJ Moore because a lot of Panthers fans were mad online because he wasn't as involved as they felt he should have been. Um he had one catch for 51 yards on what was a beautiful run after the catch where he made guys look stupid and scored on what looked really easy for an NFL 50-yard reception. Like, it wasn't like he caught it past the defense and just, like, ran it in. He, like, ran through everybody. Um, do we expect – I know Ron Rivera said that need to put more more on Moore's plate. <laughs> More and more, but uh, that pun has been used so many times. Like every article I've seen referencing Ron Rivera's quote, it says Rivera wants to see more of more. Well, we so, got to be relevant, so we got to also make that it's, pun. Um, it's easy. I did it too. But do I, we? Do we really? Do we really have faith in this team to actually put more on his plate, or do we think Ron Rivera is going to continue to 
put the nod towards the veterans like Tory Smith. Uh, Brad, why don't you give me your take on that? I think we're going to be surprised and we're going to see them actually use DJ more. Um, I was a little bit, I was a little bit like, okay, we could be surprised by either of those things. So, (laughs) Yeah. I think we're going to be surprised that they're going to use DJ more. And uh, (laughs) I had to do it. I'm sorry. Um, The reason I say that his touchdown uh, after the game, they talked about it. They ran the exact same play earlier in the game and Moore was open, but Cam threw it to Torrey Smith instead, who did not catch it. Um, They saw that and they saw that Moore was, was wide open and they ran the play again later in the game and it turned into a 51 yard touchdown. Now, normally that should have been about a 20-yard gain. But like you said, Brian, he made people look stupid after he caught it, which is why they drafted him in the first place. But I am confident that we are going to see more of that because – and it's re- it's really, really dumb and really unfortunate that we get excited about things like this. But North Turner saw something that was there, and he made an adjustment and he ran a play to take advantage of an adjustment. Self-awareness? What is this self-awareness you speak of? In the game, like during the game, we made this change. This wasn't a, well, the play sheet says on the 38th play, we're doing a fullback dive. So we absolutely are doing that. It doesn't matter if it's first and 10, second and one, or third and 72. It does not make a difference. You know, it, it's nice to see that we have an offensive coordinator who sees what the defense is giving us and adjusts to it. It's just like, like everybody's complaining about Christian McCaffrey getting 14 receptions for 102 yards uh, instead of being a running back. When the defense is down to Pro Bowl players, you know, their starting linebacker, probably arguably one of their two best defenders and Deion Jones, and then Keon O'Neal, their safety, are both out. Why the hell wouldn't you exploit the middle of the field with a, a shifty pass-catching running back? That's what good teams do. And so because we did that, I'm confident that that we will, you know, add DJ Moore to the mix. So a too-long-didn't-read version of your question, Brian, yes. <laughs> I, I think we're going to try. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where we're like, we're going to get DJ Moore more involved. And he gets like two catches in the first quarter, and then gets and then goes back to doing the same thing we did before. You know that that, that wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> I mean, it it could go either way. Like we're gonna we're gonna run like a single play drawn up for him, and then we're gonna just kind of go back to what we've been doing and be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I forgot we said we were gonna do that. Yeah. Um, I watched. First of all, the fact that North Turner like saw that DJ Moore was open the first time and called it again later. Stuff like that is why I'm surprised that there are offensive coordinators that stay down on the field. I would think it, you know, it'd be benefit to stay up in the booth so you can see stuff like that. Yeah, but I um, agree with that. DJ Moore is. I've watched that replay so many times because how quickly he accelerated, and then he didn't seem to break stride to throw a defender onto the ground, and then he just looked like he was jogging at twice the speed of everybody that was trying to chase him. It, it just didn't look real. Like he kind of just glides. Right. So I, I, I don't, you agree that he glides. He does glide. He's a, he's a glider. <laughs> he's a very smooth um, athlete. 
So before we transition to the defense, because I know we all want to talk about that so much, um, there's one thing I do want to touch on, despite the uh, terrible, terrible drop by C.J. Anderson that resulted in an interception. He only had three cut, three uh, catch or three rushes for 31 yards. So over the last two games, he's had really good rushing stats. Um, I said this as I was tweeting during the game, but I'd like to see more of him as a rusher. Do we think it's going to happen, or is he still going to be like, I guess, relegated to this like five touches per game role? What do you guys think, uh, John? I'll start with you. Uh. I think we'll probably he'll probably stay in a similar role just because that seems to have been the plan from the start. Like Ron Bear keeps saying things like he wanted McCaffrey. He said coming into the week he wanted McCaffrey to get like twenty, twenty five touches a game. So I say thank you for that. Uh I think No problem. <laughs> I think the he's always gonna be used as a change of pace guy, which I'm fine with. Like I have no issue with the play breakdown or the balance of the offense uh on Sunday. I know a lot of people wish we ran the ball more, but I mean we averaged six point eight yards per play. Like I, I don't know what it, I don't know why you'd want to deviate from whatever got you that result, even if it means throwing to your running back a lot. Like it's it, yards are yards, offense is offense. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how you get it. One hundred percent agree with that. I I would like to see CJ run a little bit more than he did. You know, he got three or four carries. I'd like to see him get between six and eight carries, uh, especially when we have first and goal inside the ten yard line. Give him the ball. You know, like he's really good at that. I do think and, you know it, it was working against Atlanta too. I think part of the thing was that uh, we we got down. We were down for most of the second half, and so. We went pass heavy, and yeah, I, I think in that situation we had to because, like, yeah, we yeah. were down twenty four ten, so we kind of had to. But you know, early in the game, I, I know you hate this term, John, but <laughs> um, you know, uh, run the ball and control the ball a little bit in the first first quarter, and I, I think Anderson would be a good, you know, six to ten carries a game ter- type person. I don't think they need to overdo it. I don't think they need to flip it where he carries and McCaffrey doesn't because I think McCaffrey's more dynamic, but uh, I, I have no complaints other than the wide receiver drops. I have no complaints about what the offense did on Sunday. They are by far n- way down on the list of why we lost. That's a perfect segue into the defense because they are pretty much the reason why the Panthers lost. Um, so to give you guys the stat breakdown on the Falcons side, Matt Ryan went 23 of 28 for 272 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And the Falcons ran the ball 32 times for 170 yards, averaging 5.3 yards per carry. And the Atlanta receiving core averaged 11.8 yards per reception. So defense was not good. And I think one thing I want to bring up here is I think that the New Orleans Saints wrote the book on how to beat the Carolina Panthers defense because – I saw a lot of the same things that we saw in the playoff game against the Saints and even earlier on in the season last year. Um, They ran a wide zone that nullified the defensive linemen where it basically forced the linebackers to play perfectly, which is good, but you can't expect them to play perfect every down. And they also attacked the zone defense very, very aggressively. Um, Overall, just not a very good game with the defense. 
Um, John, what was your biggest takeaway from that? Um, I guess, like you kind of said, this is the linebackers, how poorly they played. And it is a reminder that Luke Kuechly, it does have his, like, he's not perfect every single game. I think we're spoiled. Like, what we saw by the linebackers was what some team, what some fans see from their team on an almost uh, daily basis or weekly basis. So I'm not panicking over, but it was surprising to see the linebackers struggle so much. And in the way that they struggled, like it was just, they're looking like they're pressing the wrong gaps. Uh, they're getting like washed away by the, by the blockers. It just was not a very Panthers performance from the linebacking core. I do want to say one positive thing though. James Bradbury did a very good job on Julio Jones and mostly by himself. Agreed. Wanted to throw that out of all- there. Of all the passing, Julio only had five receptions for 64 yards, which I will call a win mm-hmm. against him. So that and was I, definitely good. And the longest catch, I don't, it wasn't the longest catch, I don't think, but there was a chunk of yardage where he picked up where Bradbury was real good in coverage and Matt Ryan threw it in a weird spot and Julio Jones made an amazing catch. And it's just kind of like, that's not really a coverage problem. So I think yeah, Julio Jones' longest catch was 30 yards. So if you take yeah, that, that was that play. Yeah, he he, he made like an Odell Beckham type catch with two hands. If, if you take that pass away, it was four for 34. So obviously you can't do that and statistically be like, well, you take away that good play, and now they <laughs> the guy played really well. But at the same time, it does it does bear to mention that. Yeah, that one play. It was it was a fluke play. Like he 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 doesn't grab that six or seven <laughs> times out of ten. Like it it was a it was an amazing catch. Like you just have to tip your hat on that one and move on. Right. Um. So Brad, do you have any takeaways you'd like to share with this as far as the defense goes? Yeah, I was like John said. I was very disappointed in what we saw from the linebackers. Luke Keekley looked like a normal player. Um, but the biggest disappointment I had was the front four. Like, I don't think they touched Matt Ryan um, but one time all all day. Like, they, yeah. I think they pushed him once, and that just happened to be the one interception he threw. It forced him to make a bad throw uh, to Dante Jackson. And it, other than that, you know, we, we got no pressure at all. And this – their offensive line was missing um, their guard. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Levitre, he, you know, he, he got hurt during the game and left and we still couldn't get any pressure. Like it, it, it was a, an awful showing by the defense, like completely other than like, like we said, one or two people, you know, I, I thought Dante Jackson had an off and on game. I thought he, his interception was nice. He was in the right place at the right time. And, you know, there was that one series where he got unfairly called for defensive pass interference when Calvin Ridley fell down, um, which I thought was was kind of bullshit. But then, you know, Ridley cooked him on a double move and made him look terrible uh, like the next play. So, you know, he's still got a ways to go and a little bit to learn, but I think he's going to be really good. Uh, he overcommitted on a run. I can't remember if it was Tevin Coleman or Edo Smith. I think it was Tevin Coleman. Um, it was like a 30 yard run where, where Jackson came in, but he overcommitted, but he actually chased him down 20 yards down the field and forced a fumble. Uh, yep. we, we were just, un- we were just unlucky that it went out of bounds, but he showed that he has tremendous makeup speed whenever something goes wrong. So, you know, at least he has speed to make up for mistakes, but you know, 
if if the defense played any better than terrible, I think we would have won the game. Like I, I don't, no doubt about it. Twenty four points should have been enough to win. Yep, and as I was saying, I think the I think the Saints wrote the book on how to beat this Panthers defense, which is to isolate the linebackers and make them play perfect literally every every snap. So the next time around, I want to see a little more push from the defensive line so it's not all on them to stop the run. Um, overall, I was actually kind of impressed with the pass defense. I mean, Ryan tore him up, but a lot of it had to do with just the fact that they that he was in the pocket for so long most of the time. Um, one thing wanna... we should note Sorry. real quick before I let you go, um, Denoris Searcy had a concussion. So the safety, the safety situation right now is or Mike Adams, I should say, um, along with uh, probably a rotation of Colin Jones and uh, Rashawn Galden. So that's that's not good. But I guess we'll get to see what they got next week. So but anyway, John, go ahead. I was gonna say I would like I wish we had access to something that we could see like um how much time Matt Ryan had to get rid of his throws because it did seem like he had a lot of getting the ball out quick on his first read so is uh, sometimes I do the pass rush was obviously bad but I do think it was um made it made made to look even worse by how quickly Matt Ryan was getting some of his passes away. Um, well, yeah, I, yeah, I think that did contribute to it. Absolutely. Um, on top of it, but what you were saying with the with the safety thing, um, Rashawn Golden got all of this the snaps this week when Cersei went out, as opposed to Colin Jones who got them all last time. So that's promising that we aren't that stuck that married to Colin Jones. Um, Denoris Cersei, assuming he comes back, really needs to learn how to tackle because this is yeah. the second time he's concussed himself with just atrocious tackling technique. In he also had a months. chest injury last week after a bad tackle. I didn't know that. I just know I've seen him twice, like blatantly, like you see the play and it's like, Oh, that's a concussion. Cause he just torpedoed his head into another guy's head. And it's just yep. like, you gotta, you gotta stop doing that. Denoris. Like, this is how you, that's how you should cut your career and your life short. Right. So yeah, overall bad performance by the defense. We still got another week until, Thomas Davis comes back, and uh, David Mayo has not really impressed at all as far as the third linebacker position goes. But not really going to get into Cincinnati too much because we have that next podcast coming up later this week. Feel free to check it out, listeners. Um, but I see a bounce-back performance coming from this defense because I feel like they, this was this was like what they needed. Um, it's not like the this defense is any different than they have been in the past, like they're running the same scheme. They're running a lot of the same plays. So I think it's just going to be a matter of adjustments and I don't think they will be giving up 30 points again anytime soon, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. I do think this, this game coming up and I, we'll, we'll talk about it more, but it's, we've had two like opposite performances so far, like bad offense, good defense first week and then vice versa the second week. So week three might be kind of the, this is what the Panthers really are. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to say, um, got some breaking news. Uh, Jameis Winston is getting sued for the incident that's got him suspended. Oh my God. By the Uber driver? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that just popped up at 938 on my, uh, 
on my ESPN when I was pulling up the box score. Well, that's crappy or crabby, if you will. Ah, good, relevant. The Bucks have to like not go with Jameis, right? <laughs> like they have to keep rolling the Fitz Magic train as long as it stays on the tracks, right? That dude has swag for days too. Like he's up there with Cam Newton at this point as far as swag goes. Like I, I can't. It's hard he, for me to even process when I see him up on the podium. Like he, he did say that Deshaun Jackson basically dressed him. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. I but believe it, that. I, I believe that, that story. <laughs> <laughs> Deshaun, if you watch, like they showed, like when he at his press conference, Deshaun Jackson was like over in the corner of the room, just like look, just watching him, like nodding approvingly. Wow. So. <laughs> he helped yeah. him turn his swag on. He did, and whatever they're doing is working. I don't know what happened, and I'm waiting for. I, I want to know what game it is that uh, Fitzpatrick go, equals out his uh, touchdown to interception ratio and throws eight interceptions to zero touchdowns because it's gotta happen that's the way he does things yep that is 100 percent the way he does things um so i mean do we have anything else we want to address here tonight fellas no we've got everything out of got everything out of my system we haven't talked about kazee oh yeah oh now he's a terrible yeah. human being <laughs> okay so um just to break it down for any Panthers fans who weren't watching the game, the Panthers went for it on fourth down. Cam Newton ran the ball. He ended up getting the first down. He went for the slide, and and KZ hit him right in the head and got ejected for it. And some of the Fal- a lot of the Falcons fans out there were acknowledging that it was absolutely a hit that warranted being ejected, but some didn't, and they said that it was. And I'm just sitting here like, bruh. Like, it, you, you, you're not a dirty player just because you have one dirty hit, but come on, that was a dirty hit. Let's be real here. Like, that was a hit on a defenseless quarterback who had given himself up. We see that play avoided literally several times every single Sunday by other players. So he was rightly ejected for it, and it was a shitty play that almost that could have taken Cam Newton out of the game, and I think we were all shaking in our boots about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, Brad, go ahead and give us your opinion on the KZ hit. I hope he steps on a Lego. <laughs> <laughs> wow. In the middle of the night. Not, not pulling any punches. I see. No, I honestly, I'm glad that he got ejected. I understand that he wasn't suspended. I'm not angry about it because he was ejected from the game. And I know that the standard NFL procedure is if you get ejected from the game, you don't get suspended because that technically is a one game suspension, but he should be suspended uh, at least one more game because I think that the NFL, if they truly care about player safety, like they claim they need to send a message that this kind of bullshit is not acceptable. Cam gave himself up. He slid like you're supposed to, and Kazee speared him helmet to helmet in the face. And from my understanding, I don't know him personally, but reading everything I've ever read about him and and seeing interviews and hearing interviews, Torrey Smith is generally a chill dude. And if you make Torrey Smith get a 15-yard penalty for retaliation, you've screwed up. 
somewhere, somehow, because Torrey Smith is generally a, a veteran that keeps his cool on the field and off of it. So, you know, there's no place for that kind of stuff in the game. I, I do think that we're going a little too far with some of the rules. Like if you land on the quarterback with your body weight, it's a penalty, you know, that that's kind of dumb because there's no other way to land on somebody. But, you know, if you, if you look at the replay, he, he dove hel- hel- helmet to helmet straight into Cam Newton's face. And the NFL needs to send the message that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the defender is. That kind of play is not acceptable. I thought um, it was funny. It was it was it Billy that shared with us the tweet from a Falcons. Yes. Yes. Guy it was. That yes. was like uh, after reviewing the tape, it, it it's good to see that uh Casey actually slipped. He didn't, he didn't mean yeah. to hit came in the head. Um, and the first like reply I saw to it was um, like, it shouldn't have even been a penalty. I can't remember what the exact phrasing was, but it was like, Cam's got it. It's Cam's fault. And it wasn't even a foul. Like these, these rules are ridiculous. Um, I'm fine with them. I get submitted. The thing that was surprising to me was I understand Torrey Smith getting the 15 yard penalty for retaliating. Like Brad said, the fact that Tack McKinley didn't get one for retaliating the Torrey Smith's retaliation seemed a little unfair because he was extremely aggressive in the uh, the whole brouhaha that happened after the, the foul. And he's also much bigger than Torrey Smith. Yeah, but I mean, he was like needing to get restrained like badly. Like he was trying to look like he was like trying to physically harm somebody. Yep. It was a it was definitely a dirty hit, no matter what way you slice it. Um, obviously, he didn't slip because if you slip, you don't propel your whole body weight into a guy's head. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I think KZ is a dirty because of it, because we've seen Thomas Davis make some egregious hits in his career, and I wouldn't call him a dirty player either. I just think it was you know key to the moment, and I think he was rightly ejected, and I agree with it. Um, suspending him, eh. I mean, if you're trying to send a message, yeah, I agree. You should just suspend him so it, like, sends a message like, hey, we're not effing around as far as the league goes, but, you know. Yeah, now that's certain- that's the only reason I think he should be suspended. They should send a message that, hey, we're not taking this anymore. It's no longer yeah. acceptable. Yeah. Right. But, other than that, I mean... They still scored on that drive. Cam Newton's okay. So all in all, it, it worked out okay for the Panthers, thankfully. Thank God. Um, hopefully we don't see any more of those hits, I guess is the best way to put it. so it, it, Good for Ron Rivera for going for it on fourth down. Yeah, he did. He did, He did in fact, not turtle for once. So that was good. <laughs> he must have read last week's turtle. See, now I, I believe that Ron is going to frame this as if I would have just went with the tried and true, Cam would have never gotten hit in the face. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not either. We'll see how that goes as far as the season progresses. Um, but we will be previewing the Bengals-Panthers game coming up later this week hopefully debuting some uh some nice changes that we have going for us but yeah the panthers lost this game but hopefully that's not the case for 
next week. So we'll have our preview of that game going forward. And uh, thank you for joining us. John, Brad, any lasting thoughts you want to get out there? Nope. Nope. Okay, well, for all, from all of us at the 4th and Short Podcast, and thank you for supporting us and listening to the podcast. We will have a major facelift coming here soon. Can't really get into the details, but it's happening. It's going to be good. It's going to be lit, as the kids say these days. Um, but yeah, from all of us here at the 4th and Short Podcast, John, Brad, and myself, Brian Beversluce, have a good rest of your week and join us for Bengals Panthers preview. See you guys later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Milton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal. Shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good, and Carolina gets a road win. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.